It's a gift. Every single pregnancy is a gift of the Lord. I truly believe that. It's a miracle too. I mean, what goes on inside that woman's body, um, when you talk about abortion and it's just, you know, it's a, it's a woman's body, you know what's funny? Is that egg in her is completely separate from her. Yeah, she created it, but it's floating around inside her body. It's floating inside of her uterus. And then that, the, the sperm comes along and it's floating on its own. It's no longer part of the man anymore. And they, they come together, floating together, not connected to the woman at all. It's completely 100% their own. And then the two connected touch the uterus wall and a connection is made between the, the mother and, the, and, the, and that unit, and that turns into a baby. So it's not like something just spontaneously happened in your body. It is, it's, it's, a, it's a miracle, and it's, it's awesome. And to say it's an accident or <laughs> we evolved that way is ludicrous. So um, praise the Lord. So um, with the help of the Lord. And again, so verse 2, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a cultivator of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord from the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought an offering from the firstborn of his flock, and from their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his face was gloomy. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? You know, it strikes me right there. Lord is having a conversation with him. Why are you angry? Cain right then and there could have said, Lord, because my offering's no good. You told me mine's no good, his is good. What'd I do wrong? He could have said a lot of stuff right, right then and there. Get an explanation, but nope, he didn't. He didn't do that. He didn't ask that question. He just was, wanted to be hard-hearted. And um, so the Lord goes on to say, um, why is your face gloomy? So he says, why are you angry and why is your face gloomy? If you do well, will your face not be cheerful? Just do well. And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain, verse 8, talked to his brother Abel and it happened that when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Um, so there's Ken and Abel, story of Ken and Abel, we know it. Um, so one of the like scenarios I'm thinking, you know, that Ken and Abel might be hearing in the background as they're growing up, um, would be Adam talking to Eve saying, oh, dad loves mom so much. Remember he ate the apple for her knowing he might die. Um, isn't that just so sweet? Um, or another scenario is, uh, now, this is like, that's a real sweet one. This is more of like, maybe you heard a little more bitter side of his dad, Adam. And um, he hears his dad saying things like, uh, I ate that apple for you. Now look at this thorny ground I have to plow. No low-hanging fruit. Work, work, work. There's some resentment. Maybe, you know, Cain is like, man, these these parents, so who knows what these parents were saying? Uh, again, this is uh, all manufactured in my head. And then, uh, then uh, lastly is Eve. You know, what Eve might say, she'd say something like, um, tough guy, you try pushing these kids out. It's like nothing you could ever imagine, <laughs> right? 
One of the punishments was pain in childbirth. So, um, so who knows what Ken and Abel heard, but anyhow, that's just a little fun right there. Okay, um, so with that said, I want to play a song. It's a Keith Green song, and um, it starts off, you'll notice in the very beginning, it says, my son, my son. And then as it develops, you'll hear it's replaced by my precious bride. It actually says my bride, and then later on it says my precious bride. So, and I just see that as a, um, a progression of following the Lord. If you're the Lord's son, then you will draw close to him, and you'll become more intimate with him, and you'll become his precious bride. So, a letter like that, what he's done for us is just amazing. Praise the Lord. He has other songs that are very powerful as well. I don't know if any of you follow Keith Green, but a lot of great, spirit-filled, heart, huh, just beautiful music. All right, so, um, all right, so next we're going to go to Jesus calling his disciples. He calls some brothers. Right out of the gate, he calls some brothers. And um, so in Matthew 4.18, it says, Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make fishers of, and you will make fishers of people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and the son of Zebedee and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. I highlighted and their father because you got to know that um, John was a follower of John the Baptist. And um, says that he stayed with them and was an absolute follower. And this father, Zebedee, is a, a Jewish guy. And he's probably thinking, man, my son is just going through this thing. He's following this prophet who's, who's you know, proclaiming this other prophet that's coming. And he's probably going, man, I just, I love my son. And he's doing his thing. Bless you, Jimmy. And um, so now, so... And so here's this Jewish guy following John the Baptist, John. And then now he is going to go follow Jesus. So we don't hear much about um, the father, Zebedee. We hear about the mother asking that his son, her sons could be with Christ and sit at his right hand in heaven. <laughs> Pretty gnarly. Um, quite the request. Um, but not much about dad. But, you know, I was thinking, you know, what could have dad said to his kids, what kind of wise thoughts would a Jewish father give his sons that were about to go follow this, you know, this one prophet and another prophet? It would have been kind of like pretty wild, unless he was following John the Baptist. Unless, it doesn't say Zebedee was, the, the dad was following um, John the Baptist, but if he was, it would probably make a lot more sense to him, hopefully. But if he didn't, then he would say things like, um, um, you know, when Jesus said, come, and they just left. They're like, later, Dad, we're out of here. Zebedee could have been like, hey, those are my only two employees. What are you doing? I, I have no workforce now. What are you doing to me? And Because um, they did, they just picked up and left. Just like uh, Matthew, the tax collector, um, he just picked up and left. He's like, okay, I'm done. He says, follow me, and they, and he, and they did. 
So, um, so, um, you know, he could have said things like, hey, I raised you guys better than this. Just to go following every little whim that comes along, every false doctrine that comes along. You guys are just chasing it, you know, one after another. What's wrong with you guys? Um, let's see here. So secondly, um, um, he didn't seem too concerned or leery about what his sons were doing. And maybe he was, he doesn't say. But the sons did go do <laughs> quite a bit. Uh, James and John did a, a, a many, many miraculous things. And um, gosh, John wrote four books, including Revelation. Um, so those are some, some um, oh, and Peter and, um, you know, Peter and his brother. And so we don't know anything about his father. We know that he had a mother-in-law, but okay. So that's, that's those brothers. Okay. There's not much there, but anyhow, that's that. Um, I want to talk about Zebedee, you know, sons of thunder. Okay. So next we have, um, the uh, prodigal son. And, you know, we know the story of the prodigal son, so I'm not going to go through it. Um, you know, this, I'll just briefly go through it. Um, this young man takes his inheritance, and he goes and squanders it and loses living. He comes back, and his dad throws a party for him. And my, he thought his son was dead. Now he says, my son's alive. And so dad's thrilled. He's got his younger son back. He thought his younger son was dead and gone. Took the money, ran, and was never, ever going to come back. Now, the second piece of that, we're going to talk about the other son now. In uh, Luke 15, we're going to talk about the other son that didn't leave, that, stu that uh, stuck around and did what dad wanted to do and, um, you know, was, was, you know, doing the right thing. So in Luke 15, it says, Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with them. So here's where it gets going about the father of the prodigal son and his other son. This is where dad steps in. And um, so dad comes out and starts pleading with him. Hey, you know what? I get it. You're, you're, you know, you're upset a little bit because we'll get into why. And because is, um, so the other son, the older son says, but he uh, answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I have been serving you and I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you never have given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. I kind of see where he's coming from, huh? It's like, Dad, what's up with this? You know, he, he's, <laughs> maybe we should put him in the dungeon for like a year, and then we'll let him out, and he can be, you know, uh, a servant for us for a little while, for another year, and then after that, maybe he can be a brother again and a son to you. And um, so Dad's wisdom is... Um, you know, he's, he's coming after his son's heart, and he's, he's um, pleading with them. And dad says, son, you've always been with me. This is some wise counsel from dad here. Son, you've always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. 
and was lost and has been found. Praise the Lord. You know, that's a picture of the sinner that goes away and um, is, comes back into the fold. And, um, or a picture of that. And, you know, praise the Lord, rejoice. And uh, don't be, man, you guys, when somebody falls away or, or does something that's a horrendous thing and they give up their salvation, they, 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 they fall away, but they come back, don't be hard-hearted towards them. Be nice to them. You know, they've, they've been through it, man. It's between them and God. It's not up to us to punish the, the son. It's not up to us to punish the person that fell away and came back. It's up to us to love them and encourage them and help them to not fall away again. It's a tough thing, though. Our human nature wants to say, hey, you messed up, and you need to be punished, and I'm going to do God's work, so to speak. I mean, sarcastically. Um, so, but don't do that. Love your neighbor. Love your brother. Love your sister. And um, forgive them as uh, Christ has forgiven you. Okay, um, so I want to. We talked about this um, a little bit last night. Uh, Colossians three twenty one, and so right off of that, uh, what Dad just said: um, Fathers, do not antagonize your children, so that they will not become discouraged. Fathers, you can discourage your children. You can do it. You're hard enough on them long enough. You can discourage them. It's a tricky thing. Seek the Lord in wisdom for how you are to discipline your children and rear them. You guys, we are very simple-minded. <laughs> and um, we really need the Lord to give us understanding and wisdom. We can really mess things up, as um, we can see here. Okay, so we're going to shift a little bit now. Um, instead of looking at these guys, we're going to kind of start looking at the Father and um, our Heavenly Father and um, his wisdom and how we need to rely on his wisdom. So I want to move to Exodus 4.6. And um, it's a little story about Moses. I, I really get a kick out of this story because it's, it says so much. It's a very powerful piece of scripture. And so in Exodus 4.6, it says, The Lord furthermore said to him, Now put your hand inside the fold of your robe, so that, okay, now put your hand inside the fold of your robe. So he put, we're talking about Moses, God is telling Moses what to do. Moses is saying, hey, I need to go into this other land, and how am I supposed to represent you? And God's saying, here's how you're going to do it. Here's how you're going to prove that you are doing my work. And um, so, so the Lord says to him, um, now put your hand inside the fold of your robe. So Moses, he put his hand inside the fold. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then he said, put your hand inside the fold of your robe again. So he put his hand into the fold again. And when he took it out of the fold, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. So if they will not believe you, nor pay attention to the evidence of the first sign, they may believe the evidence of the last sign. But if they will not believe even these two signs nor pay attention to what you say, then you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water which you take from the Nile will turn into blood on the dry ground. So Lord is like just given full instructions on what to do. 
full instructions. And, um, <laughs> and Moses just eats it. He just bites the dust. He just goes down hard. Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. But the Lord said to him, Who has made the human mouth? Or who makes anyone unable to speak or deaf or able to see or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I myself will be with your mouth and instruct you in what you are to say. Here we go again. Moses is not going to do this. He's not going to be moved. But he said, please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. Meaning, not me. I'm just not going to do this. The Lord has made it very clear to him, pointed out. Um, this reminds me of Ananias and Saul and the road to Damascus. When the Lord comes to Ananias and says, I want you to go to the road named Straight and go in the house, and I want you to go and give Saul his vision. What does Ananias do? Ananias enlightens the Lord, doesn't he? Lord, this guy Saul is persecuting Christians. He's, he's telling God what's going on. God's going, you know, oh, is he really? I didn't know that. Thanks for letting me know that, Ananias. Um, since you said that, you know, maybe you shouldn't go do that. Um, you guys, when the Lord makes something clear to you and he gives you a plan, just do it. Just do it. Um, so, so the Lord has radical patience. So the Lord paints his plan out for Moses, tells him what to do. Moses says, no, I, I can't do it. He says, you know, find somebody else. And then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. And he said, is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? The Lord was mad, but in his anger, he still allowed a alternate plan because he loves Moses and he loves us and he gives us alternate ways out, you guys. He's always looking to help us and get us, carry us along, move us along, keep us going and doing what he wants us to do. Even in his anger, he's patient with us and loves us. I know that he speaks fluently, speaking of Aaron. And moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be overjoyed. So you are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I myself will be with your mouth and his mouth. And I will instruct you in what you are to do. He shall speak for you to the people. And he will be as a mouth for you. And you will be as God to him. And you shall take in your hand this staff with which you shall perform the signs. So I get a kick out of that because, you know what, you guys, even when we want to be, think we can't do it, the Lord will work with us and work with us and work with us. We have a whole lifetime. This all took place in minutes, maybe an hour. But we have a whole lifetime. The Lord is constantly working with us, and we're like, oh, I can't do it. Yes, you can. Come on, I'm going to show you how to do this. Come on, you can do it. Um, you know, confess my name. You know, talk to that person about me. Um, share a Bible verse. Uh, encourage that brother or sister, you know, you can do this. No, I can't do it. And it's our whole lifelong process, you guys. Our whole life, we are constantly 
going through that and drawing closer to the Lord and um, being built in his image, being refined into what he wants us to be. Uh, let's see here. Second uh, Timothy 3.14. Um, we have... You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. Remember, this is all in light of Father's Day, you guys. So I'm trying to find Father's themes and um, things that have to do with fatherhood and how we look to the Father and how the Father looks at us, how we need to love the Father. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able Remember that able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You guys, how do we learn scriptures from when we're little? From, from our parents. It's not likely you're going to pick up a Bible when you're five and start reading it. And what does it say here? These sacred writings, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation, doesn't mean they will. Because we teach our kids, doesn't mean they will. It means they'll be able to, though. You're giving them a huge step up. Last story I want to talk about is Lot and his two sons-in-law. Lot was challenged by the angels to get who he loves out of Sodom because it's going to be destroyed. The angels told him flat out, Sodom's going to be destroyed. Get who you love out of here now, including yourself and your wife and your kids. Everybody that you love, get out. He goes to his sons-in-law, and there's two ways of looking at this. There's, I've read different ways that, one is that he was so like yellow or, or weak-spined that when he went to his son-in-laws uh, son and said, Sodom is going to be destroyed, we need to get out of here, they just mocked him. They just, just laughed at him like, you got to be kidding me. You know, you are going to tell us that we need to get out of here because it's going to be destroyed. And they, and they mocked him. Um, the other thing is, the other way of looking at it was that um, they simply just didn't believe him. Um, just, he came in in a loving way, who knows how, and said, hey, we need to get out of here, it's going to be destroyed. And they were just like, nah, you know, you're joking me. You know, just a different angle, but Either way it was, I'm not going, and I don't believe you, and I'm not going anywhere. And eventually the um, angels took Lot and his daughters by the wrist and took them out of the city, and then it was destroyed. But, you know, Lot allowing his family to live in that city, and, um, which was known to be a, a horrible city, um, you know, Lot was not being a good father to his family by letting him stay in a place that was so horrible. Um, you know, I reckon it with Las Vegas, but way worse, way worse. Um, so, anyhow, Lot was spared. His two daughters were spared, but he lost his wife. He lost his son-in-laws um, by living in a city that was horrible and destroyed by the Lord. Okay, um, so in closing, I want to talk about our Lord just for a little bit and just how his, he's perfect. Matthew um, 
5.43 says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Verse 45, So that you may prove yourselves to be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Even the tax collectors, do they not do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Even the Gentiles, do they not do the same? Verse 48, therefore you shall be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. With that, Let's bow our heads and uh, seek the Lord. Father, we, um, you are our Heavenly Father, Lord, our perfect, perfect Heavenly Father who has given us perfect directions and a perfect word, an unchanging word. Father, I pray that we'd all seek you. Um, not all of us are fathers, but all of us males are sons. And in a neutral form, all of us are your sons, male or female, to, as a, so to speak. So, Father, we just pray that we would all seek your face and um, know you, Father, and that you would be our Father, and that we would listen to you, and that we would follow your direction, and that we would know that what you're doing for us is right, even if we think differently. Um, Lord, may we not um, think that what, um, well, that we would follow your ways, Father, that we would... Um, not look to the left or to the right, but at you, and that you would use this for your glory. And um, I lift up this Father's Day coming up, this Sunday, that um, earthly fathers would give credit to you, Father, because you are our great Father. And um, we thank you, we praise you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.